0: If you served in the United States of America military at any point in your life, or you were in the immediate family of, so your father, your mother, your brother, your sister, something of that nature, would you please stand to your feet so we can honor you this morning? Come on church. I am, I am so grateful. I. I served in the best branch, the United States Air Force. They have the best food, at least. Um, Anyway, I appreciate everyone that serves. We have so many friends that are are serving, still in in service uh, to the state that are um, signed on the dotted line to keep us safe and preserve our freedom. So I am just so grateful for each one of you and the family that you represent this morning. I do wanna pray a quick prayer blessing over your families today. Church, will you just stretch your hand forward toward everyone that's standing. Father, in the name of Jesus, every veteran of the United States military or the the person that is standing or the one that they are standing representing, God, we just release favor over them, healing over them. God, we just thank you for the families uh, that rallied around the service member. God, we know that they carry sometimes even more weight than the one serving. So God, we just ask that today, this week, that you would just release extra little kisses from heaven to these families. We say that PTSD has to be far from us in the name of Jesus. Depression and fear and anxiety has to be far from these homes in Jesus' name. God, may your spirit of grace, peace, and joy rest there. In Jesus' name, let the church say Amen. Amen. Thank you guys for serving. You may be seated today. I am um, glad to be back. We've been out of town and I had the opportunity. I've actually had two Sundays off preaching. First was Greg Wheeler. He did a fantastic job. Um, where is Greg? I don't know where Greg is, but nonetheless, I'll let you know, Let him know you clapped. Um, and then last week was Miss Dana Dinan. She did fantastic. I got the opportunity to see her as well while we were out of town. And today you're stuck with me. Uh, but we're starting. Thanks, Mom. We're starting. We're starting a new series today called Satisfied. Satisfied because it's November, okay? And Thanksgiving is definitely a time for reflecting on what we have and giving thanks. Yet sometimes our habit is to compare ourselves to other people and to become fixated on what we don't have. And especially when there are supply limitations and there's lack of connection in the world and there's extra fear for everyone to get a second you know, dose or helping at the table. It's really easy, isn't it, for us to focus on what we don't have. And so I I hope to address all of these things in a very short series, two to three weeks in Satisfied, because the reality is Jesus calls his followers to a radical commitment to satisfaction and contentment. That's right. If you're a follower of Jesus, you are compelled, you are called, you are almost demanded to live a life of satisfaction and contentment. Isn't that fun? Did you, did you realize you were signing up for that? You know, there's a lot of things when you sign up to serve Jesus, to follow Jesus, you don't know you're signing up for. Uh, one is persecution, right? One is tri- trials and tribulation that's guaranteed. Jesus said you will have tribulation, guaranteed. Um, but the other thing that's guaranteed, if you're following Christ closely no matter what the circumstances are, you can have satisfaction and contentment. Will you stand with with me today? I wanna honor the word at the Exchange Church. We stand when we're reading the word of God because the word of God is active and alive. It It is Jesus in print. So when we read the word of God, it says Jesus had walked into the room. So we stand when the King enters. Mark chapter 10, verses 17 through 31. Now, as he was going out on the road, one came running, knelt before him, and asked him, Good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? So Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but one, that is God. You know the commandments do not commit adultery. Do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud. Honor your father and your mother. And he answered and said to him, Teacher, all these things I have kept from my youth. Then Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, One thing you lack, go your way, sell whatever you have and give it to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, take up the cross and follow me. But he was sad at this word, and he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Then Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How hard it is for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were astonished at his words. But Jesus answered again and said to them, Children, how hard it is for those who trust in riches to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And they were greatly astonished, saying among themselves, Who then can be saved? But Jesus looked at them and said, With men it is impossible, but not with God. For with God all things are possible. Then Peter began to say to him, See, we have left all and followed you. So Jesus answered and said, Assuredly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake and the gospels who shall not receive a hundredfold. Now in this time, houses and brothers and sisters, mothers, children and lands with persecutions and in the age to come, eternal life but many who are first will be last and the last first the title of my sermon today is too bad so sad let's pray father in jesus name i just thank you for our time together i thank you that the word is going to stir in this room god i already feel your presence you're here you want to rattle some cages today god you want to shake up some philosophies today you want to to just just remove and, and reposition our frameworks. And we say yes to you, God. We say yes to whatever it is you want to do. In Jesus' name we pray. Let the church say amen. amen. You may be seated. The rich young ruler. That was the block of text that I read. You can also find that in Luke chapter 18. You can find it in several places in the New Testament. I just read Uh, mark chapter 10 to you but you can find it elsewhere with a slight variation on how it's communicated Um, to be honest uh, i think this block of text at face value can be somewhat boring and for anyone with money can be somewhat scary how hard it is for a rich man to enter the kingdom of god some of you are like i ain't got that problem i have no worries i have flat broke and on my way to heaven right But for some of you with means, you're like, can you explain to me what that means? Because we got home yesterday, no, Friday, uh, from 10 days in Florida with family, great time. I came home, though, when we left, I was leaving a home that was being renovated because of some water damage that we had had, somewhere around $60,000 worth of work that the insurance is paying. So that translates to, Yes, amen. Thank you, Jesus, for insurance. But number two, it's no small project. Um, it's, it's a lot of walls. It's a lot of floor. It's a lot of, a lot of, a lot of stuff and a lot of dust. And it's been coincidentally a lot of months since any progress has been made. And so I was excited to get away to an Airbnb that was fully functioning, uh, that you didn't have to breathe dust particles in your sleep. Uh, and then I came home and uh, we landed and I'm driving home and I'm slowly just starting to feel the weight of what I'm coming back, back into. I I get home and I think, I'm just going to clean this place up. You know, we'd been gone for 10 days. Dust had settled about uh, maybe that thick on everything. So we just cleaned up some stuff, cleaned the floors and went outside and, you know, I had tons of leaves in the pool because, you know, wind. And so I'm, I'm out there and I'm just really trying to stay in an attitude of gratitude and Thank the Lord for all of my many blessings. What a blessing it is to have a pool. And I notice on the fence, there's a big tree that's laying on the fence. Not a limb, a tree. The entire tree has been uprooted. It is resting on our fence and the top of it is on the ground. Now, to be fair, I knew it was there when we left. The night before, we discovered it as we were packing, but we were leaving at 3 in the morning and, and I said, I hope the neighbors take care of it. And uh, because it was their tree, to clarify, it wasn't my tree. It was their tree that was in their yard. It had fallen over onto our, our property, but it was still halfway in their yard. And I thought, I'll just take care of it when I get back. Well, I had forgotten the tree was there until I saw that the tree was there. And I realized I was no longer in the magic kingdom. My wife comes out and I'm a bit frustrated. I got to admit, I'm a pastor. I'm a human. I got my weaknesses too. And I said to my wife, like any unrighteous man would, I said, I'm going to go tell the neighbors to take care of their tree. Like 10 days, they've had plenty of time. To, and, and it's on the backside. So I don't really, I don't really know those neighbors. You know what I mean? So I can act big. And she was like, well, you're just going to pull it over on our side and take care of it. I'm like, no. That's not our tree. That's their tree. Half of their tree is on my yard. That's their, look at all I'm doing, baby. I got, I got enough to take care of right now. I'm cleaning the pool. I'm cleaning the house. Our home, this is their tree. They can take care of it. And she was like, okay, all right. So I, I leave and I wasn't angry. I'm, I'm, maybe I'm exaggerating a tad on my flamboyancy. I wasn't really angry, but I was adamant I wasn't going to take care of it. So I walk over and I knock on the door. And this sweet... Older lady opens the door. (laughs) Hello. Um, I noticed 10 days ago, I've been gone for 10 days, and I noticed 10 days ago that you guys had a tree that had fallen over. It's fallen in my yard, but it's also still in your yard. And um, just wondering if maybe we could just take a look at that. Um, And I I had even crafted the sentence that I was going to say. I don't remember... uh, are you, are you planning to do something with that?" And so she says, "'Oh, I, I didn't even notice, let me come and look.'" So she comes out the front door, and she's gonna walk all the way around to my house, and I said, "'No, no, 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 we can just go in your backyard, that'll be easier.'" And she said, "'Oh, okay, I'll meet you around back.'" And so I turn, and she said, "'Go through that fence.'" So I go through the fence, and I'm walking back there, and all of a sudden, there's this yappy Taco Bell dog, and I'm like, and, and I hear the lady coming out, so I want to be kind to the dog. Uh, I mean, I would anyway, because it's it's a living being that Jesus and my wife love. But I'm like, it's okay. And I'm smiling at the dog like I'm a dog person. It's okay, little Chi-Chi. I'm, I'm going to be fine. Just go on. I'm more scared of small dogs than big dogs, because big dogs just Bark loud. Small dogs bite your ankles. So I hear some noise, and I'm kind of, like, before she comes out, I'm trying to just be like, shh. And so it runs off, and, and it's still barking at me, and I'm walking to the corner, and I hear a noise. I turn over, and this dear woman is laying face down on the ground. It's exactly what I thought. I took off running. I was like, are you okay? There's nothing, nothing, and I'm, I run to her i said are are you okay and she said i will be and i'm standing there the dog's not barking thank god that's i got 99 problems the dog's not one (laughs) i said can i can i help you somehow well yeah if if you could just be my rock and she says i weigh too much for you to try to lift me but if you could just be my rock i can pull myself up and so I, i brace myself and i hold her hands and She's lifting herself up, and it's a struggle in my heart. Like, you, you don't, it, you've witnessed crisis before, and people getting injured, and you understand the adrenaline that goes through your body. You know, it's totally different than anything you ride at Disney. It's a totally different feeling. She said, "I'm so sorry. I just had surgery, but I'll be okay." And she stands up, and I pat her on the back because I'm not sure where the surgery is. I'm like, "Okay." Why, why don't you stand here? Is there anything that you need? She said, no. And she stood there. She carried on a conversation with me while I go to look in her backyard for the tree stump. After I make sure she's okay, I get back to business. And I realized there is no tree stump in her backyard. There is a tree on the fence that does not belong to this woman or to me. so i called my boys I said hey guys come outside help me we're gonna push this tree into our yard and and we're gonna take care of it and so we lift up the tree they're on in my yard i'm in hers and we push it over i throw it over and it kind of shatters into several pieces because it's a dead tree and i I wish her well i tell her you know call us if you need anything at all and i see her off so i I believe that she's fine and I get back home and my wife looks at me and she said, so did you tell them that they're gonna have to take care of their tree? I said, no, I'm gonna take care of it. And I told her everything that happened and she said, well, that's good because if you had still told her to take care of it after everything you saw over there, I would have thought you had no heart. isn't it amazing how things change when you see both sides of the fence you can go into a situation believing one thing thinking one thing doing one thing but then you get over there and you see that the grass is greener but then you see the water bill right you 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 see that things are different but you understand it just makes more more sense I, i believe that in our series satisfied. I got to start first by taking you to the other side of the fence. Maybe you showed up today and you're like, "Pastor, I want to be content. I want to be satisfied. I-, I want this in my backyard. I want it looking pristine and in place, but I got to I got to first take you to the other side of the fence because you got to understand where satisfaction comes from before you know how to get it in your backyard of all the people that came to jesus in in the history of the bible this rich young ruler is the only one that left jesus worse than the way he came and yet he had so much in his favor he was a young man with great potential he was respected by others he had authority he had some ruling office, I mean, he, was, he's, he had bank. He probably even had the good looks, you know what I mean? He was like the whole, the whole package. And there was enough desire in his heart to know that something was missing. So he ran up to Jesus. It's just like some of us here in the room today, maybe watching online. You're searching for something because you know something's missing. You may not know what it is. You may not know how to get it or where to find it. But you know that something is missing. And this rich young ruler, he was, he was searching. And man, he came so close. So close to find what he was looking for. Not only is he he rich, he's a ruler. He's He's a ruler, like he earned it. Do you know what I mean? Sometimes you see someone that's rich and you ask yourself, did you earn that? Or were you past that? You know, past that. So we don't know where his money came from. He could have earned it, he could have been past it, but he was a ruler. You don't get to be a ruler in this culture, because daddy was a ruler. He earned it. He was a young man, probably in his 20s. This is speculation. Young enough that the Bible wanted you to know he's young. And he had influence and authority. But he's still searching. On on the surface, it looks like he has it all. He, he's got the gold-lined chariot. He, he's got the nice shoes, he's got the nice outfit, whatever, whatever men wore, whatever you call that, dress. His teeth are probably perfectly straight. Before they had braces, he probably had a way to get straight teeth because he had means. But he knew something was missing. So he comes to the right person at the right time with the right posture. And he asks almost the right question. He said, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? I want to look at that question. It's a powerful question. It kind of has rocked my world this week. There are three elements to this that are so critical. Two of them he got right. And one of them he didn't. And you can miss the destiny that God has for your life by missing just one element of one question that you're asking the Lord. He started with a good teacher. Look at your neighbor, say, Good teacher. Good teacher. He got close enough to the situation to know that something was different about Jesus. He knew that Jesus wasn't like anybody else, he knew something was different, but he still had a superficial view of Jesus Christ. Now the Jewish rabbis of this time, they didn't allow anyone to call them good teacher. Good it, good teacher is not saying you're a teacher that teaches good. It's saying you are a good person that is a teacher. Good teacher. And the rabbis wouldn't let people call them good teacher because no one could be called good except God alone. I don't know if it was an accident, if it was a Something in his, you know, in his soul that was just kind of drawn to say good teacher because maybe his, his inner man recognized what stood before him, before his eyes and mind really did. But he said good teacher. He called Jesus who he really was. He was God. Jesus looked at him and said, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. Jesus wasn't saying he wasn't God. He was saying, do you hear what you're saying? I'm going to check you right now. You, You called me good teacher. Why did you use the word good? Because we all know the word good is reserved for God alone. Are you calling me God? Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You're using the right words, but do you understand, rich young ruler, what you're truly saying? And then the second part of this question, it seems that the thing he's searching for is eternal life. Eternal life, which is the right thing. Can I get an amen from anybody who we've had a lot of distractions this year, last year, the past decade, to understand that the main thing that we should be searching for is on the other side of this life, not in this life, right? This young man is searching for eternal life. And I got to be honest with you. I'm really impressed with that. I'm impressed that a young person is thinking about eternity because most young people don't. And that's not a dig for anyone that's young in the room. It's just I understand human nature because I too was once young. It's pretty incredible because typically young people are consumed with the present, the here and now, where the next meal is coming from, if they look good or not, if they have the right connections, if they are liked by society, if if they're going to get maybe uh, the kind of degree they want or the husband or wife that they want or the single life that they want to step into. Maybe God has called them to singleness and, and they're just focused on building their singleness and um, they're, they're, it's very contained to what life am I building on this earth right now, usually for most young people. So the fact that this young man is focusing on eternal life, that's pretty impressive. So, so he's a man that's with it. I hope I'm painting a picture. Like, you know, the rich young ruler comes up to Jesus and he walks away. But this is a man who has it going on. He's like made some really good decisions in his life to get where he is. He's really stable. He's obviously a man of morals. He's a man of character. He's a man of growth, of self-development. It's a good man that's really searching. Guys, really searching. This isn't a, a, a crazy man. It's not a greedy man. He's not a ridiculous man. He's not a demoniac. He is a good, good man that is searching And he missed it by one phrase. He asked, what must I do? What must I do to inherit eternal life? And that's the problem. What must you do to inherit eternal life? What can you do to earn eternal life? He's clearly become a man of means and so he's approached Jesus probably like he has any other business arrangement that he's made he's compartmentalized his life he knows that his finances are good his relationships are probably solid this is probably not a man who's wrestling in in his marriage or his you know with, with his cousins or sisters or employees like he's he's probably a, got it all lined out but on the checklist he's understood there's one thing missing and it's a it's a spiritual component the eternity part he's got a great financial portfolio his family's good career solid but he wants to add eternal life to the equation and, and how many times do you and I say oh man my my spiritual life is going great you know like My marriage is good. My finances are good. My spiritual life, that's really going well right now. Well, how many lives do you have? Are you a cat? When do we get to the place where we understand that if our marriage isn't good, we are spiritually dying? If we aren't stewarding our finances and being obedient to what God has told us, we are spiritually decaying. If we are short-tempered with people and people are afraid to communicate with us and and we're not long-suffering as a fruit of the Spirit, we are spiritually being torn apart. Any aspect of our life that is crumbling is a direct reflection of our spiritual life. And aren't we just like him? Aren't we just like the rich young ruler? We ask the same wrong question. What must I do, Lord, to be blessed by you? What do you want me to do so that I can make sure I make it to heaven? Many of us can just smell the rapture winds blowing. We just feel like Jesus is coming back any day. Some of us every day are waking up like, what do I need to do to make sure when that trumpet sounds that I'm not stuck on the ground? You can't do that anything that's that's the whole point it's already been done Jesus has already taken care of the eternity question for those who are in Christ with all of this young man's fine qualities uh, he's very superficial in in the supernatural things right he had a superficial view of Jesus he had a a superficial view of, of sin You know, Jesus, let me replay the story for you. Rich young ruler walks up to Jesus, says, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus says, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not kill, do not murder, do not commit false testimony, do not or honor your father and mother. And he replies and he says, all of these things I've done since I was a young boy. And Jesus says, yes, but one thing you still lack. So Jesus... Listed out the law, not because he wanted the man to feel bad because he didn't meet the standards. But the law is like a mirror that reveals that you and I need a savior. The law reveals the severity of sin. Sin, what is sin? Sin is rebellion against God. Sin is not a behavior issue. Sin is not an action. Sin is an inward attitude that elevates man and defies God. That's why sin is so important that you and I allow the Holy Spirit to find it, to highlight it, and uproot it by the roots. It's not about behavior. It's idolatry. This explains why Jesus pointed the young man to the law of Moses. He wanted him to see himself as a sinner before the holy God. He wanted to see himself as a sinner standing before the Son of God. We cannot be saved by keeping the law. Just to prove that, Ephesians 2, 8-10. For by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is a gift. Everybody say gift. Your salvation is a gift of God, not by works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We don't do good works to get saved. We do good works because we are saved. The law is a mirror that shows us how dirty we are, but the mirror cannot wash us. The law can bring the sinner to Christ, but the law cannot make the sinner like Christ. Only grace can do that. I want to I give a quick book away. It's called The Strength of Character. I've already chosen, asked Holy Spirit who to give it to during worship. And I want to give it to Ryan Castaneda. Will you please come up here, platform? Seven essential traits of a remarkable life. You know, God gives us many gifts, and just to reflect God's generosity, I wanted to be generous towards you today. So I'm, I wanted to give you this book. Uh, but I want you. Let's let's just stand out here so everyone can see. I want you uh, to try to take this book. Good. I said. I want you to try to take this book. I want you to try to take this book. Good, you don't have to try to take anything that's been given to you you either take it or you don't let's give it up for Ryan thank you brother go read that book it's a good book but how many of us are trying to get the things that God has already said are ours well, I'm trying to walk in joy I'm trying to walk in peace I'm trying to walk in freedom Either take it or leave it. But don't act like you have anything to do with earning what the free gift has been given to you. And let's just be honest. It's not that that thing is so difficult to get. It's that we don't want it. Because if we want it, if we take this, we have to let go of what was previously in our hand. Looking at this man, you would conclude that he had everything. But Jesus said there was one thing lacking, and that was a living faith in God. A living faith. Money was his God. He trusted it. He worshipped it. He got his fulfillment from it. His morality and good manners only concealed a wayward heart. He He made money, his God. That was the issue. That's why Jesus said, go sell everything you have and give it to the poor. Then come follow me. That's not a word for all of us. It's not for all of us to go and sell everything we have and give it to the poor to follow Jesus. That's not a corporate word. That's not a prescriptive word. It's a descriptive word of what Jesus spoke to a man who needed to do that to find his breakthrough and his freedom. To dethrone money from his heart, he had to give it all away. God's not asking you to do that. He might. He might. God might. And if he does, do it with a cheerful heart. But he's probably not. That's not... That's not my end goal today. The end game is not for me to collect the big offering and just convince you that money is evil, because money's not evil. The love of money is evil. Money is what allows us to send this worship service to people in homes who haven't joined us in a year and a half. Thank God for money. M- money pays the salaries of our, our team here. money. Money allows us to clean the carpet so that we don't have to smell baby vomit after 10 years of carpet. Do you you know what I mean? Like, thank God for money. But God may ask you to give it all away. He's asking you to do something. Maybe the money feels extreme. But I guarantee you, he's asking you to do something just as extreme in your own context, in your own life, in the situation that you are currently in. I want to zero in on on the remaining time that I have today on the rich young ruler's response. I told you that the title of my sermon is too bad, so sad. After Jesus said all of this to this rich young ruler who came to him with almost the right question, and Jesus tried to frame it so that this man could step into eternal life and find all that his heart had been longing for, this was the response in verse 22. It says, But he was sad at his word and went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. He went away sad. At his word. The church in America and other developed nations around the world, I suppose this would be true of England and Australia and um, Ireland. Nations that I've I've heard preachers and I kind of follow them and um, so I have a pulse of what the global church feels like. This would not necessarily be true in underdeveloped regions of the world. But certainly in America, we went through a phase where teaching was based around uh, creativity. I'm not against creativity. I love to be creative. But, and we built teaching around around being relevant, being relevant to a generation. And I'm certainly not, I don't want to be irrelevant. I, I want the word to make sense to people when I preach. Um, we went through a season where what we were communicating through the platform was driven by what people were needing to hear, right? Not in a not in an attaboy kind of way, but like marriage, finances, whatever. We call those in, in my line of work, felt needs. The needs that people are feeling in the moment, that's what we speak to. And I still think that that's wise to do and we try to do that. Uh, but maybe maybe that style was a little bit soft. And I've noticed over the last two years with the pandemic and man tensions over everything, you know. Um, is the dress blue and white or gray and gold, you know. It's just all, all tensions over everything. I've noticed that the voices in the pulpits have become more direct, more focused, more pointed towards scripture than opinions and creativity and um, relevance and felt needs. I don't know if you've sensed that from this house, but I would say that that's been true of this house too. There's been a a growing weight as as pastors of, am I leading people to truth? Because I'm seeing now more than ever, there is a pull to sidetrack people, to get them to believe that this is true when the Bible says this is not true, this is true. And so because there is added, added sin and pressure being applied, the voices in the pulpits are becoming stronger. I think that's a great thing. By the way, shout out to California who, who has been under fire for decades. And as a result, the pastors in California have been more direct and forward and scripture driven than, you know, the Midwest, the South, the good old South, the Bible Belt, than we've had to be. And so a lot of us will look at the California preachers and think, oh man, that's amazing. I don't know how you do that. But now we're learning that's how you do that. Because where there is so much noise, background noise, the gospel has to be ever more clear But as our sermons have gotten more difficult, what I found is a good amen corner. People will say amen, people will say that's right. People will even walk out crying because they feel the weight of the sermon, the conviction of the sermon. They, they walk away sad because what the preacher has spoken resonated so deeply, he kind of read their mail. And it's become somewhat trendy to be convicted it's just become like trendy to be like, "Wow, that message really offended me. Wow, that message messed me up." You know, I hear it all everywhere, all the time. Not just my, my friends, other churches, everywhere. It's not just this house. Do you know what I mean? It's like trendy for all of America to just be offended by a sermon. Wow, that was so powerful. He just spoke the truth, man. That just that really stepped on my toes. And just like the rich young ruler, people will walk away convicted, but not changed. It's not the goal for you to come to church, hear a sermon, to feel sad, to feel convicted even. That's not the goal. Conviction is not the goal of church. Transformation is. godly sorrow rather than sadness godly sorrow leads to repentance repentance leads to transformation we don't become saved because we feel bad about our sin we become saved because we repent from our sin We turn from our sin. Conviction followed by commitment releases contentment. This is where contentment comes from. I can't even talk to you about satisfaction unless I I explain to you that we will never find satisfaction. We will never find contentment if you are lacking a Holy Spirit conviction and godly commitments. If you're lacking Holy Spirit conviction and godly commitments, you, my friend, will never find the contentment that you're looking for. We don't have behavior problems in the church, by the way. We have belief problems, and I'm wrapping up on this. I'm I'm done on this. You know, I, I talked about doing, you can't do anything to, you can't do anything to earn your way to heaven. You also can't do anything to unsave yourself, by the way. Just food for thought, chew on that later. That's another, another sermon. Here, here's what I want you to know. Having, having sex outside of marriage will not keep you out of heaven, but loving sex more than Jesus will. Being committed to your sin more than Christ's call to come out of it is idolatry it's not about behavior we keep trying to slap the wrist to stop the behaviors. It's never been about behaviors. It's been about our beliefs. We have believed that sex is more powerful than Christ. We have believed that money is more powerful than Christ. We, we have believed that our dream is more important than our eternity. It's all about our belief systems and some of us today just need to release the things that we've been holding on to so that we can receive the free gift that god has for us there's a youtube video you should google it's old and it's really funny well, in a way it's just interesting to watch there's an aboriginal and maybe africa and he's trying to catch a baboon because the baboons hide water sources and he's thirsty, he doesn't know where to get water. So he finds a very large ant mound and he waits for a bamboo to be somewhere around and he gets a stick and he goes and he starts poking a hole in the ant mound. And then he gets seeds in his hand, lets them glimmer in the sunlight so the baboon can see it and he puts it into the hole and then he walks away. The baboon is very curious what the man just put in the tunnel. So the baboon looks around and he walks over to the big mound and he sticks his hand inside the tiny little hole. He fills the seats. He grabs the seats, holds on to them, tries to pull his hand out, but there's not enough room for his fist to get out, only his open hand. But the baboon will not let go of the seeds because the curiosity has got the best of him. So he throws himself against the mound over and over and over trying to yank his fist out while the man walks over and gently puts a noose around his neck so that the baboon will then lead him to water. Some of us are holding on so tightly to the thing that we think we want out of life that, that is the reason. That, that is the reason that we are finding ourselves not walking in contentment and satisfaction. We're so committed to our dysfunction that we're willing to walk away sad rather than walk away changed. Please stand to your feet. Maybe you're here this morning you're trying to be like the rich young ruler he's like he is the man in your book he's got the money he's got the youth the good looks he's got the authority he's got the power let me just tell you something that rich young ruler is no longer rich he's no longer young and he's no longer a ruler the lord wants you to step into the eternal things this morning If bow your head and close your eyes, maybe you're here this morning and you say, Pastor, I'm ready to make things right with Jesus. I'm ready, I'm ready. I'm ready to not just feel the conviction of the Lord. I'm ready to be committed to the process, committed to whatever it is he wants to do in my life, the, the sin that he wants to uproot from my life, the, the thoughts, the lies that I've been believing that he wants to replace with the truth. I'm committed. I'm I'm going beyond just hearing the word and being convicted. I want to be more like Zacchaeus. I want to hear the word, be convicted, and as a result, I want my life to be changed. I want today to be the day of salvation for me. If that's you and you're ready to move beyond conviction and you're ready to be committed to the process that the Lord wants to do in your life, will you just wave your hand at me so I know who I'm praying for? Thank you, 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 thank you. So many all across the room, thank you, Father. If you're watching online, just do take take a step of faith and just lift your hand, no matter where you are, just say, That's me, that's me. Father, every person that has activated their faith, they are ready to move beyond conviction and step into the land of commitment that then releases contentment. God, I ask that you would give us the courage, the courage to to not try to earn our salvation, but God, to let our actions be the result of our growing relationship with you, the intimacy that we feel with you. God, let us be solid in our identity, in who we are in Jesus Christ. Let us see you for who you are and In turn, Father, let us move into the realm of commitment. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Can we give it up for Jesus this morning? Let's just celebrate.